you're a Delta SkyMiles Platinum Business American Express card member, you'll know a thing or two about an expertly packed capsule wardrobe that balances business and leisure. So you can go from conference sleek to cocktail party chic with a few new accessories. You can hustle from 9 to 5 before exploring with ease from 5 to 9. Because you're the chief excursion officer. The Delta SkyMiles Platinum Business American Express card. If you travel, you know. Learn more at go.amex slash you know business. This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Quote now at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates, national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. The grill, the George Foreman grill, um, that got me through college. He I'm went sure. to a big school. I'm sure he had people cooking Man, for him. I had the George Foreman grill. You ain't have you it. Uh, no, you did not. <laughs> Tell me what you cooked on. All the grease was to the side. I put it a little, scraped it down to the bottom. Uh, there yeah, you go. I know, yeah. Okay, you know, okay, okay. Yeah, you get, you get out the way. All but the grease cook, What was your favorite thing to cook on it? Like a McGriddle, like a little sandwich, like yeah. a turkey and cheese, and smash it down. You know, you right. got the little lettuce, the, the mayo. Okay, put it all okay. On there. You all know, right. bacon here and there. You know, you can Man, cook on there. I had I had all sizes. Yeah, I even got the bigger now. You know. Man, we had to fight to get a meal. Yeah, wrongfully accused. We had to fight to get a pill. That's why we write to get a deal. He on the team, he gotta eat, you know. Spike, spike the skills. Fat. Keep it riding for the fam. You gotta light the wooden wheels straight up. But in the past bad, work up in the trash bag. I'll pass a lot to take the test before I pass class. Yeah, and my family needed bread. I had to come correct. That's why I keep airing it out like I just passed gas. I had to run to the gas station, grab me some of these sauces, right? You got a deal on these uh, four for one? Jerry, can you hear me? I was asking what flavors you want. They got the watermelon. Is that a package deal? No, because I like the peach. You want two grapes? I'm going to get the peach. They got a grapefruit. Right. And these help you burn fat, too. And it's essential energy, so essentially it's, it's, it's good for you. Ain't no preservatives in it. Really, they got anything you want. They got an orange pomegranate, too. Jerry. Yeah. Two more of these, two more games. That's a double dribble. It's a double dribble. This game and then we on? Okay. What's up, what's up, you good? All right, y'all on that? Okay. Welcome back to I Am Athlete. This icon needs no introduction. I'm just gonna get right into it. Thank you so much for welcoming us into your world. That's what I gotta the say, pal- world. The palace. <laughs> the palace. <laughs> what do you call it? Is it the state? Is it, what is it? What is it? Mega palace, I don't know. Uh, I call it the hall of stupidity <laughs> because one day you wake up and say, I can only drive one car at a time. Why am I doing all this? <laughs> I'm actually talking about. I'm actually talking about driving. I'm driving into the gate and seeing the whole compound. Yeah, is it a compound? And that's why it was hard for me to even do a story about my life because I spent so many years of hiding my life. Mm. Mm. Big gate, nobody can see me. Mm. Nobody can come in here. 
Now I got to let it all out in a movie. Why, why is that? Because so, so, so we are here to talk about your movie, uh -huh. Big George Foreman. Um, and you're one of those icons. And when I look at like your era and then the generation after you guys, there's like a mysteriousness around you guys. Why? Well, well, there are a lot of people who just didn't know us. And it was hard to get to know us. Even with Muhammad Ali, he talked a lot, but you didn't really know him. No one really knew him. Joe Frazier, no one knew him, nor I. We were just some characters out of, uh, I don't know, cartoon world or something. Vicious animals we were. Right. right. DJ, let me, I want to start the show now. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I like to, you know, listen and. Yeah, we got to loosen up. We a little serious. I know this is a big yeah. moment for us though, man. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you ready to get in the ring? We've had so many athletes, big time athletes, big time artists on our show. Um, DJ, you haven't retired yet. You've played 15 years in the NFL? Yes, sir. I've been retired going on, going on five years. I played 13 years. Blessed to play 13 years. <laughs> Can you guys still walk? Yeah, I feel, we feel great. Yeah, we feel, do. I feel, I feel great. I, I just finished my last season last year, so uh -huh. I'm 36 now, so. Oh, man. Still man, feel great. The best time of your life. Right. <laughs> and I'm saying that because, as you know, sports, it gives us access. We meet people, it opens up doors. And so we've really had some amazing experiences um, traveling the world, meeting everyone. I met Muhammad Ali um, and some of the greats, Jim Brown. I will have to say this is the first time that I'm almost in awe of an athlete. And I think it's because when, I, when I've met everyone else, it was on red carpets, it was at events, it was at games. This is the first time I've been at another athlete's home. <laughs> and walking into your home, your estate, your compound, whatever you call it, I see what we fight for, legacy. 40 years marriage, so walking in your home, seeing pictures of your family, grand, grandbabies running around, 10 children, your children here. So I want to just let you know that, you know, this is an amazing experience and, and it's kind of emotional for me because as an athlete, right, like what we see is the phases and we have themes on this show where it's like active athlete, athlete to transition. So we'll talk about business, the movie, how you've been able to maneuver into something new, your second, your third mountain. This is the first time I've seen Legacy, Jack. <laughs> right in front of your eyes, yeah, like, close. Right? Nah, it's a blessing, man, for, for me. I just want to let you know, man, I, I grew up, I'm a huge boxing fan. We, we already, we talk about it all the time. So, I, you know, I'm, I'm honored to be in your presence, man. My mom loved you growing up and I'm honored, bro. I don't even, but yes, it's a legacy, man. Like we, we walk into this, we see your car collection, we see your house, we see your family, family oriented, you know, the kids, the grandkids, like, what does that mean for you, the legacy side of it? Well, everything, you walk through my house, the last thing you're going to find are, are trophies championship belts, those things are put away because it's all about the next generation, mm -hmm. my children, their children. Mm -hmm. Don't want them intimidated or seeing something that's going, ah, 
Mm -hmm. Just want them to know it's about them. I display their trophies now, their medals. It's all about them. Mm -hmm. George, <laughs> you know, I was just a guy in the right place at the right time with the right punch. All right. Well, what about your upbringing? I, I, you know, you had a trouble upbringing and kind of, you know, I, I, I don't want to say forced you into boxing, but what was that that led you into boxing with the trouble growing up and, you know, how you was raised? Yeah, it was a rough, kind of rough because I had just my mom raising me, mm -hmm. of course. And when you're trying to raise, what, almost seven kids, you got to scare them like a dad <laughs> in the night mm -hmm. and then love them in the morning like mama. And, but I was out on my own out there trying to make a living. And uh, all of your heroes were people who gone to jail, had a scar, big scar in the face, uh -huh. band-aid. I used to wear band-aids. <laughs> So the people thought I like had the, a Like the Nelly, you remember Nelly? <laughs> like the, the rapper Nelly, like the, the Nelly Band-Aid? Yeah. <laughs> make it look like you got a scar. Yeah, that's what I did. I wanted people, I didn't have a scar, so I wore a Band-Aid to make Don't bother with him. He's right. got a scar. Right, right. So I wanted to be a bad guy for a long time. Yeah. And so your, your film, um, this movie that premieres April 28th, uh, 28th, yeah. 26th, the 28th. 28th. It comes out the 28th, right? Yeah. yeah. Premiere. It comes out on the 28th. Um, it opens. To me, it was dynamic. It was powerful. It said, I died at 28. And, and then it gets into the childhood, seeing you, you know, try to mug a man. <laughs> so everything that you just brought up, what did that moment mean? Like, when you... I almost died at 28. Yeah, things changed for me. I literally, m definitely died. I had an experience where I was dead and alive again. Mm -hmm. Changed everything. Give you another chance to live. And I really appreciated my life and understood that the greatest invention of all time were human beings. Mm -hmm. And I never wanted to hurt any again. Mm -hmm. Went back to boxing, never a punch in anger. So, so, so when you say you were, you felt dead. I was dead. Physically, <laughs> mentally? Dead. I went back into the dressing room after a boxing match, mm -hmm. trying to cool off. Next thing you know, I was fighting for my life. I'd heard about athletes dying after mm. sporting events. Wow. I said, this can't happen to me. I walked and walked, and finally, I lost the battle. I was dead. Deep dark place over my head, under me, around me, mm. and the smell of death, I haven't forgotten it yet. Wow. And I got upset, mad. I said, I don't care if this is death. I still believe there's a God. When I said that, mm. like a big hand reached in, pulled me out of nothingness and gave me another chance. And that's why I'm talking today. I had another chance to live. Nothing more important to me than life itself. And, and that's the moment when you gave your life to Christ? Yeah, I didn't intend to do that because I didn't believe in religion. I thought that was something poor people or someone lost their wife or husband or something crying and I didn't think religion existed I really didn't after that you know you, you've had some uh, amazing fights fighting for your life um, and then the, the biggest one for me uh, Muhammad Ali rumble in the jungle right. in you didn't jungle. like him before before you died right? I call it the monk the mugging in the jungle because I went there with two title belts came back with nothing. Right. <laughs> I was devastated. You had him though. The only guy I thought that I'd beat easily beat me, Muhammad Ali. Never would give up, never run into anything like that. 
hit the guy with the hardest shots and looked like he said, I'm not going anywhere. And after so many rounds, I was tired. So is really. It, is it safe to say that was your toughest ever? Uh, no. The toughest one is when you come back after that with Ron Lyle. Mm. He knocked me down, hit me. I hit the floor so hard, bust my mouth, and I said, what excuses can I come up with now? <laughs> then when you should stay down, you fight to get up this time because nobody's going to believe in the excuses I have. Right. I had to fight, and I didn't want to that time because he hurt me. Wow. No, so Hammer didn't hurt me. He just got, clipped me with a shot, knocked me down, and I was waiting on the count, jumped up late. Yeah. But you, this guy hurt me. But you know, you know, they say Muhammad says you hit him the hardest he's ever been hit. Well, I wish he had gone down so I wouldn't have to do it. <laughs> they can say how hard it was, but... What a great athlete Muhammad Ali was. Hey, Pete, I mean, we've seen the story before. Um, we've uh, read about it, you know, watched ES, the ESPNs of the world. Um, it feels like this movie captured it the best. And it I'm did. talking about, right? Mm -hmm. It really did. Yeah. People ask me, who are you, George? And I said, Chris Davis. Mm -hmm. Go watch the movie. Yeah, he, <laughs> he, he did a great the job. Story. He yeah. told the George Foreman story. Don't know how he did it, but he did. Was there ever a moment when you when you found when you watched like the final cut, or maybe it was the rough, and you got emotional? Like I cried. Mm. Especially the young boy, going into these homes. My mother would always move into these houses, and you look. In the movie, they showed these rusty stoves and refrigerators. Mm. People left them because they didn't work anymore. Mm. And I looked and considered, I'm worried about income tax, things like that. And I realized, where in the world did I come from? I cried. I actually cried to consider where I'd come from. What, what was the role of Forrest Whitaker? Let's talk about your, the mentor growing up. Because I, I saw a little bit of that, and I think Forrest Whitaker, I'm a huge fan of him. I think he did a great job in that. Well, my mom always believed in me, mm -hmm. never gave up on me. And then the first man, person in my life that wouldn't let me go was Doc Brodus. And Forrest Whitaker played the part of Doc Brodus. Right. Never gave up on me. I tried to run from him. I didn't want to be a boxer. <laughs> I just wanted to be a street fighter and, you know, go back and get me a couple of drinks and beat up everybody. Right. I didn't want to. He stayed on me. George, you can if you just stop mm -hmm. fighting in the street corner. You can be a good boxer. And I didn't want to be a boxer. Who wants to have that bell rung? Right. One time I was hit so hard, I heard a siren go off. Oh! <laughs> and he's trying to find me to be a boxer. <laughs> I didn't want to be a boxer. You had to run from that, huh? <sighs> was, it, was it the greatest decision you've ever made? Well, it was the only decision I could make. Boxing was something I could do. I tried, did a lot of things. You know, I wanted to be a football player, of course, but you had to go to school. Right. <laughs> I hated school. Smell mathematics to this day. I didn't <laughs> like school. Uh, but so boxing was there for me. Mm -hmm. It really was. And I enjoyed it. I think it's wonderful I went into boxing, but it's more wonderful that it was a sport there for me. Yeah. I, I, I say that because, you know, would you be here? Um, when we talk about legacy earlier, would you be here if it wasn't for boxing? I feel like football saved my life, you know? Um, if it wasn't for football, and there's, there's a lot of um, 
there's a lot of, there's some tough things that come with playing sports, especially at that level. And, you know, for me, I wouldn't change it for the world. You asked us about our body. <laughs> there's a lot of athletes, boxers as well. Yeah, most. Short, most dealing certainly. with head trauma, Yeah, right? I wouldn't change it. If they tell me, you know what, you're going to die at age of 55, 60, right? But you can, I'm going to give you this pill, and this uh -huh. pill, can, can, you can go back in time, and you can say, you know what, I'm going to make a different decision. I'm going to play a different sport. I'm going to do something different. I wouldn't change it, yeah. right? I feel like football not only changed my life, but it changed the generations after me. My mom, my nieces and nephews, my children's children, right? And that's what I feel and what I see when I come in here is legacy. <laughs> well, for me, boxing didn't give me a life. It took my life. I actually died in a dressing room from a boxing match. I died. And I, for 10 years, I didn't even make a fist anymore. I didn't run. I didn't exercise. I gave it all up. Didn't ne never wanted to see a boxing ring again. But a profound event occurred in my life. I got broke. <laughs> I had to go back into boxing to take care of my family. You have all these children looking for opportunity, college. I had to box. And the second time, after 10 years, I had to go back into the ring. Didn't like it. Didn't like it at all. So, what, Be, because you know, like, because you, you said that you did everything right. And uh, you made investments. And then uh, I think taxes changed. And it literally did just depleted everything. No, I had people I trusted to a fault. People you trust, right. they really stole my money, wasted it, burned it out. Mm. Because I had so much trust, I didn't even examine them to see what was going on. I lost everything. Wow. Everything because of uh, trusting people. Let's, let's talk about that a minute. I feel like us growing up the way we was growing up and raised, you know, around our family, you know, we want to put our money in our community, right? You know, we want to take care of the moms, the fathers, the cousins. You know, we grew up trying to like, I, I made it to make sure all my boys from the streets get out, get away out, right? So for you, do you feel like that's a, a, a nail biter or it's one of them situations where you like, you got to watch where you put your money, you got to watch who you believe in? Because we're, we're accustomed to that a lot. We try to change everybody's life. We try to bring everybody out. but. My dad always told me when he was younger, everybody can't go. Everybody's not able to go. <laughs> yeah, but it was a wonderful thing to taste. I remember family members coming to visit my mom in Houston, Texas, knocking on the door. Mm -hmm. We shared our beds, pallets on the floor, our food. We shared everything. And it's not easy to get up one day and say, now I have a lot and decide not to share. Mm. I was born sharing. and. Uh, the, if the last dime I have in my pocket, I hope I share it on family and friends. Mm. Mm. That's powerful. Hearing you tell that story, made, the thought that came up for me was, you have literally experienced the entire journey of an athlete, for right? Sure. The good, the bad, the <laughs> ugly. You talk about athletes going broke. Uh -huh. They say, what, 70, 80% of us yeah. go broke, get divorced, right, or in ruins after. But you're you were able to come back, right? So you sat out ten years, okay? Talk to us about that, right? Go broke. I gotta come back for my family. I gotta feed my family. You hate boxing at this time. Was it easier 
that time around to come to, to fight or the first time, right? And I say this, Jack, because when we're younger, we're trying to survive. Mm -hmm. Oh, I love this. This is going to change my life. All right. But when you're older, there comes a point in your career where you're like, man, you, you start doing this dance with your sport where it's like, I, I want to move to something different. I don't love it anymore, right? You fell out of love with it. But then you come back and you not only make a great comeback, you become champ again, and you get your career, your finances, everything back in order. So talk to us about that journey and, and how difficult that was, or maybe not. Mm, difficult, because when you, I left boxing, and for 10 years I said I walked away not even punching, a punching bag or anything. I was just a guy preaching on the street corners, preaching in churches, telling everybody about this grand stir that, that happened in my life. And uh, so you look up one day and you got all these kids, you boast about, you know, you heard the story, George, 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 and named all the kids George, and now George, George, George is broke, what am I gonna do? I had to go back to work, but for 10 years, I was just a guy, I'd meet people down the street, sometimes I needed a charger for my truck, a booster. Mm -hmm. And the guy gave me a boost. I said, how much do I owe you? He said, get out of here, biggin. <laughs> and you get on an airplane in a coach seat, and maybe the steward or the assistant would come up and say, hey, big guy, I got a bigger seat for you. Can't give you any food. And I thought all those years, people liked me for my car or my money or my home. Found out that people cared about me, and they didn't even know who I was. I'd shaved my beloved mustache. My afro was gone, <laughs> and people cared about me. I didn't know that. So I said, if I ever had a second chance to do it, I was going to really be kind to people. And I did get a second chance. Had something to fight for so that I could show them, thank you for loving me when I wasn't even a boxer or an athlete. Mm. How, how hard was that for you? Do, do you feel like us as athletes, you know, it's, it's hard for us to determine who really loves us for us, like genuine love, like, like you spoke on, the cars, the money, the celebrityness, right? Like, was that hard for you, really figuring out who was there for you? And, you know, and I never tried to figure it out because after that experience where I was dead and alive again, it was about me loving so many people. Mm. I had no idea, nor did I care who loved me. It's about who I loved. And I just decided I was going to love people because I didn't know that it existed. Right. Wow. I loved them. How was that moment when you, because you're talking about love, you went to Muhammad Ali during this time and apologized to him. <laughs> he was the one showboating. He was the one talking trash. Uh, why, you, why did you feel like you had to apologize to him? You know, I can remember, and it never goes to this day, it's never gone out of my mind, I hit him so hard one time, right about the neck. And I heard him say, Ugh. and I've never forgotten that. He was trying to win a boxing match. I was trying to kill that guy. And I wanted a second chance to get him. And that broke my heart once I found, my, found religion. And we became, I fell in love with him later on. We became phone talkers. And then the advent of that, what's the phone when you talk with each other? The church, next to No, you, uh, you get the iPhone and you can look at each other. Face oh, FaceTime. FaceTime. Yeah. <laughs> I, thought he, I thought he was going back to the old man. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that didn't happen in our days. I could talk to him. He'd still uh, make faces. Oh, you would FaceTime him? Y'all started Yeah, we started FaceTiming him before he passed away. Mm -hmm. We'd love each other. He loved to eat and joke. George, how many kids you have? 
I said, grandkids, I said, three, high five. You guys wanted <laughs> to win, always, always wanted to compete. I found him, he became my most beloved friend ever. And I miss him to this day because that was the gift of boxing, Muhammad Ali and our friendship. That was my gift. What, what was that, that, where that where, what, what, was the, what was the chemistry? Where did that come from? Because you guys, it wasn't like y'all were friends before. Y'all were no. competing. You were trying to take his head off. Yeah. So dude. how did you fall in that, love with that him? Mission. He had to go on. His yeah. Mission. I mean, but know, but he could have. But he could have. He could have uh, did that with anyone else. Any Spirit. other fighters that you took their heads. He's looking at it different though. I mean, from from my perspective, right. he, he he died. He came back. He had a different meaning for doing this. So he realized like I'm trying to kill you. Trying to win the fight. <laughs> but but like, why Muhammad Ali though? But, yeah, with Joe Frazier equally. Yeah. We became like brothers. Talk to each other. I guess the most uh, guy that I could tell you the most personable. Once you saw Joe Frazier, what you see is what you get. <laughs> Never put on any, any imitations about anybody uh, himself. He accepted himself, right. and we loved each other as well. But Mohammed was that guy. Oh my gracious! I really fell in love with him. Right. Because he always had something to say, even when he couldn't speak anymore. Once yeah. I called him up, I said, uh, hey, Mohammed, I want a rematch. He said, you crazy. I said, so how's your wife? <laughs> she crazy. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, this guy was a, a, a show. As far as I'm concerned, he was the greatest show on earth. Wow. That man was something special. And I wanted, that friendship I had with him, I met him way back in the, before I even got to be a good professional boxer. He was a joker, he was a show. And I enjoyed that to the end. The greatest show ever? The greatest show on earth. You heard about the, 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 show the, on earth. the elephants and yep. the lions mm -hmm. and all of that. He beat that. When you see him coming, your heart started beating fast because he was gonna give you a show. Give us your greatest uh, Ali story. Greatest show. Okay, the first time I met him, he came into a gym in uh, Miami, Angelo Dundee's gym. He walked up the steps. I heard him coming. He was in exile. Mm. He said, hey, George, George Foreman. He said, wait here. I'm going to show you what you're going to have if you ever become champion of the world. Mm. He went down, came back with a briefcase. Laid it out. I said, man, it's going to be $100,000. He opened it up. A portable telephone <laughs> in a suitcase. These were pre-cell phones. I thought, man, he said, yeah. And I don't even think the thing worked. Right. <laughs> but he said, one day you'll have that. <laughs> and like a fool, one day I bought one of those briefcase telephones. Right. <laughs> yeah, crazy. now they're small, you know, but beforehand, if you had a, a phone, it had to be carried around in a big briefcase. Wow. Mobile operator, one nine. <laughs> yeah. Let, let, but that, I thought, man, show me something. That's what he showed me, a phone. I said, I could have lived without that Genius. one. Spe speaking on that, I want to talk about entrepreneurship. George Foreman Grill, how, how did that idea come up? And you sold over 100 million units, then later on turned up and sold it for 138 million. I mean, that's, that's something I look forward to doing one day, hopefully. Mm. What was that like for you? Lean, mean, fat-reducing grilling machine. <laughs> You know, I had become the darling of Madison Avenue. I did everything, Doritos, Pepsi-Cola, McDonald's, commercials everywhere. And then a friend approached me and said, George, you're making all these other people rich. Why don't you get your own product? Mm -hmm. I said, sure, how much are you going to pay me? They said, no, no. 
So we started this joint venture, mm -hmm. and I had the lion's share. Right. And this little ugly thing, I said, I don't know, but I, they kept bringing it to me. What do you think? And my wife used it on the side. Mm -hmm. I didn't even know it was there. Right. She said, it really works, George. I said, yeah, but take the grease out, the food's going to be all dry. She mm -hmm. said, no. I tried it, and I went out to make it work. Mm -hmm. One after another. First, I got a check for, I don't know, maybe $500. I said, I don't care. I thought I'd get 13 of those things, right. give one to my aunt, one to my mom and mm -hmm. cousin. I had no idea. I looked up one day, really 120 million of those things sold worldwide, mm -hmm. only because it worked. Right. Yeah. And uh, all of a sudden, I was in business, and they were right. Mm -hmm. Get your own business, <laughs> so and can, I sold. Can, can, you, can you go back to, like, how did you get to the structure of the deal? Because there's a lot of athletes. I was talking to my agent who's, who lives here in Houston, and and he feels there's still some education that we need to do, some educating that we need to do with athletes, like understanding, you know, the power, the leverage that they have, and not just taking cash right now. You are probably, you're 50 cent vitamin water, even artists, um, there's Jay-Z, uh, you have LeBron James, Steph Curry, you have Russell Wilson's of the world. You have so many athletes and artists now understanding joint venture, joint equity. Venture. So can you talk to us how you got to the structure of the deal before it took off, right? Because you could have easily said, continue going on that path and just say, give me money. Give me money. And I had, to, for the first time, and I, I don't consider it a gamble because I had done good campaigns for all of these other companies. Like I said, Doritos and uh, Oscar Mayer Wieners. Their sales jumped when I became involved. So now, I wasn't afraid to go on and take on a joint venture where I'm the partner. I'd have to sell. I'd have to bear the expense. I wasn't afraid at all. And that's the way you do it, though. And, and not realizing that you may see Ford, uh, Chevrolet, uh, whoever, still room for someone else to do something equally as big, a name brand. You just got to work. You know what's crazy? Cause we, we, me and him argued about that just a few weeks ago. We, we argued about <laughs> taking deals, right? So I got a question for you. No, give him a little backstory. Let him get, in, let him get into I'm, our mess this, a little bit. So this is, so this, so this is the question. Cause we, we was on a, um, on a radio show last, what was it, two weeks ago, and we talked about you know the NIL deals these kids are getting now. So these high school kids are signing all these name, image, and likeness deals, right? So. We was going back and forth for arguing, and I was—I took the stance of I would rather sign with the big company, the Sprites or, you know, the Gatorades, whatever the company. And Brandon took the stance of he would rather try to start his own and build up the—I mean, what would you say? It'd be Brandon Marshall, shoe, uh, apparel, or apparel, merchandise. And I told, and I and I told him I would rather get a company that's successful, that got a backing, that got financially stable money, and then I would start my own later. What's, what's your stance on that? Like, what, what would you do? What would you prefer? Because you did the deals before, yeah, and then you started your own. to the athletes that's watching this? Well, the idea is people sign a 19-year-old, a 20-year-old boy, mm -hmm. give them money because they see there's future. There's mm -hmm. a future there for them to become wealthy. All right. We ought to be able to see the same thing. Look at yourself and say, there's a future. Make your own. Go out and do it. Right. Of course, you're going to have to bring in partners. Don't get me wrong. Mm -hmm. But there's nothing frightening about starting your own and say, keep your money out. Come back to me and later on. And like uh, 
A friend of mine told me once he, he had gone to the bank and asked the guy to loan him some money to go into business. Mm-hmm. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. What's up, y'all? The Home Depot Retool Your School program is back on the yard and back at it again, bringing up to $150,000 in campus improvement grants to help upgrade and uplift your favorite HBCU campuses. Not only is Retool Your School partnering with HBCUs, but it's also inviting you to join by voting online only at retoolyourschool.com vote. You can vote as many times as you want, as often as you want, whenever you want, now through March 24th. If you want to support change across HBCU campuses, all you have to do is vote. So keep doing, keep building, and keep supporting HBCUs at retoolyourschool.com slash vote. Retool Your School, powered by purpose. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. This is Brandon Marshall from I Am Athlete here to talk about my favorite go-to Britty meal that I can't always enjoy because the carb fear is real. But carb-heavy foods are often the ones we love most. But Hero Bread makes those same delicious favorites free of consequences and compromises. Zero to one grams of net carbs, zero grams of sugar, and high in fiber, delicious and flavorful. The soft, fluffy experience you love when enjoying a refreshing, maybe, peanut butter and jelly sandwich, savory breakfast burrito, or mouth-watering cheeseburger. Something for every craving, including sliced bread, loaves, buns, and tortillas. Monthly small drops of indulgence, favorites like the two-gram net carb Hero Croissant, or the one gram net carp hero cheddar biscuit. Don't give up on being a breadhead. Hero Bread is offering 10% off your order. Go to hero.co and use code athlete at checkout. That's athlete at H E R O dot C O. Hurry and get 10% off your order when you use athlete at H E R O dot C O. And the bank said, You don't have any collateral. I'm not going to do it. But later on, they discovered all on his property. And he was getting all this money, and that same banker came to him and he said, look, here's my card if you ever need me. And he said, he gave him his card, said, here's mine in case you need me. <laughs> right. <laughs> Lived it on. <laughs> the point of it is, if someone else can see potential in you, yeah. you should be able see to see it, it yourself. Mm. I agree. Mm. Mm. So I want to go back to, you wanted to jump into entrepreneurship, yeah. um, the grill, the George Foreman grill. Um, that got me through college. He For went sure. to a big school. 
I'm sure he had people cooking for him. I had the George Foreman grill. You ain't have it. Tell me what you All the grease was to the side. I put it a little, scraped it down to the bottom. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, you get it out the way. All the grease gone. What was your favorite thing to cook on it? Like a McGriddle, like a little sandwich, like a turkey and cheese, and smash it down. You know, you got the little lettuce, the mayo. I put it all on there. You know, bacon here and there. You know, you can cook on there. I had I had all sizes. Yeah, I even got hungry now. You know. That got me through college every day. Even, uh, I mean, I'm, I, I'll be honest. Sorry, but I got to be honest yeah. with you. I probably stopped using the grill probably just three, four years ago because nah. I got a chef. No. Nah. Yeah. I got three a years, chef, right? I think and I, maybe she used it still. Is, I think you exaggerated. Three, four years ago? I promise you because it's the, it's the, as, it's 120 been, million sold. It's been a while. How, how, you still use it to this day? Oh, yeah. I got them all around the house. It's good from there. The salmon. I ain't, I ain't, I'm going to be honest. I probably ain't about, been about five, seven years since I used it. I got a chef now. But you know, they got the air fryer and all that stuff, too. Yeah. It's, it's kind of similar. It's all the same stuff, though. Yeah. So, and I, but he I, big time. He got the chef. I can't afford the chef. He big time. No, the, the, it's the best. It's like <laughs> one of the best inventions ever. Um, I want to, I like to get messy a little bit, sure. and we'll get back to, you know, Prepare yourself. He when he gets messy, he gets real messy. Okay. So. Okay. Just nothing we'll legal back. stuff. Nah, I, nah, <laughs> we ain't no. <nah>, <laughs> okay. Hey, if you want, if you want me to throw him a left hook, <laughs> no, I, I, I can't, got. I'm, I can't I, deal with it, man. He's, <laughs> you got a football player. I'm okay. fighting over those. Because you're like, like, like you said, it's like I have this film coming out, this movie coming out on the 28th. It's awesome, great job, um, again. But you're like, I've been hiding myself from the world for so long now. I'm, Telling coming my out. story, I'm coming out, right? And so we really don't know. We, this is an honor and a privilege for us to be sitting here with yeah. you because you could be anywhere else, but you're here with us, just little old us, because we bet on ourselves. Thank you. <laughs> See, you bet on yourself. Uh, sure. All right, so although Foreman has never confirmed, this is me getting messy, okay? You know that. You, got, you, have, you have your own church. You deal with a lot of mess. You got to deal with my mess now. Although Foreman has never confirmed exactly how much he has earned from the endorsement, Sultan paid $138 million in 99 for the right to use his name. Prior to that, he was paid about 40% of the profits on each grill sold, earning what DJX said, maybe, $4.5 million a month in payouts at its peak, yielding an estimated total of over $200 million just from the endorsements through 2011. He earned more as he, he earned more as an entrepreneur than a boxer. So my question, because it's almost like the 50 cent deal, it's almost like some of Jay-Z's deal. What is the actual number? And that's me getting messy, right? Like, because you've never told anybody what the actual number is, and it's a big question. But the point of it is, if you know how much money you earn, you haven't earned much. Right. Keep going. Tell him again. Hey, tell him he worried about the wrong thing. Go get some, go get some more money, OG. Go get some more. Money. Uh, yeah. <laughs> hey, man, I'm kind of keep going, man. He, he ain't done. The OG said he ain't done. Are you a yeah. billionaire? Uh, you know, the one thing is I'm happy. I, I sold the grill, and I decided I was going to buy it back uh, maybe a year or so ago, a little more. And it was made way over a billion mm. bucks, almost $2 billion. Mm. Dollars. Mm. And so heavy, heavy that's talk. the truth. That's heavy talk. Right. Heavy but I talk. was in the business of selling, selling grills, so why not sell them all? <laughs> wow. And I'm still trying to do other things, too. You never quit. Wake up, put my feet on the floor, mm. and say, now what's next? Mm. I got to do something else. 
That's what? interesting because, and you know, like I love your youthfulness, love your energy, and and it is an honor to be in in it, in your presence. But I, I the the reason why I started the show the way I did is because we've really spent all of our time sitting down with active athletes and retired athletes, but transitioning. Like D-Jack is thinking about retiring, right? So I'm guys, retired. two, three years. You're done. So you're done. done. Oh, that's breaking news. No. Well, we'll get to that. <laughs> that's frightening, um, though, saying that word, retire. There you go. It is. <sighs> it ain't no such thing. Man. But, but okay, look, but, well, let's get to that, because I want you to, I, I want you to um, expound on that a little bit. Um, but to hear you at this phase of your life with all of this say, no, there's still more. You never give up. You never stop. That's interesting because I'm like, this is this is this is what we this is what we're fighting for. What we're running for is this the 40 year marriage, you know, the the 10 children, the grandbabies running around, the garage went over, and I think this over is his 50. half year yeah, fleet. This ain't even, he got the Volkswagen still live there. What, what else is that. there? Still stuff. But that's interesting. <laughs> you start hiding them after a while because you tell your wife this is the last one, so you hide cars. <laughs> I got them here. <laughs> I got. I, I, I know you. I, I gotta kind of go back a little bit. Go ahead. Is there anything you regret so far to where you are right now? What What is it that you regret? Mm. Good question. You know, you you go through life and you you meet a lot of people and you tell them off. And then you come back and you want to get it straight, and they they are passed on now. Mm. And I wish I had time to square it all with all my friends and family who passed on. That's about it. Other than that, you know, I'm brushing my pants off, spitting in my palms, and going another round. Forget about you turn one page, right. don't you never will finish a book if you keep rereading, rereading. You just gotta turn the page and move on. Tell them you love me before you never know. Tomorrow ain't promised. Basically, you get out. Tomorrow ain't promised. Right so now, if you, can make, if you can make something better in this situation. Mm. Go back I'm gonna call you if I got a problem with you. If I got a problem, I'm gonna call you back, man. I love you, man. <laughs> Dang it, you pissed me uh, off. <laughs> and people um, you work with are the ones that you feel, I'm sick of this person. If you right. can go back and say, I'm not sick of you, you are my medicine. Mm -hmm. And uh, do it better quickly than never. Mm. Well, I feel, I feel to get there, um, you have to understand what you understand. We talk about God, we talk about you know, your God, Jesus Christ. Um, that's son hard of God. for that's Jesus hard. Christ that's hard, but that, that's yeah. yes, that's yes, son of God. <laughs> Thank you. Um, that's hard for a lot of people who you know, who's not there. Mm -hmm. You talk about forgiveness. That's all, that's almost impossible for a lot of people. It's growth. It's rough. Mm -hmm. It's growth. It's rough. That's right. I tell all my kids, forgiveness is that subtle thread that binds both love and friendship. Without it, you could wake up without a dad, a mom, a children, because somebody crossed that line and you said, that's the end of them. And you gotta constantly forgive if you want a family. Mm. A wife, husband, it's all about forgiving. Without it, you are without anybody in your life. Mm. That's what, powerful. What's fatherhood like for you? Do, do, they, keep, do they keep you you keep you young, they keep you going. <laughs> yeah, grandkids. I've, yeah, you raise. I've raised so many. What ten kids? Yeah, and then I've fifteen grandkids. Wow. I even have three great grands. Wow. And uh, yeah, it's about look. You look around, and the, 
most wonderful thing in my life are my children and grandkids. That's give you a reason to get up, put your feet on the floor, and said, I'm going for another round of business, especially. Right. They, keep, right. they keep you youthful, man. You still look young and look good, man. You look amazing. She's at 74? Amazing. I, yeah. That's, that's just 75. That's, that's just a number, man. He look right. good. Yeah. You look good, man. That's right. I wish I could look like you when I get can, your age. Can, 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 you, can, you, can you expound on, uh, you said that's a scary word, retirement. Yeah, scary. Because when you said just a few years ago you retired from football, that's got to be frightening to say, I'm never going to put on those pads. I'm never going to get out in there. Don't make me get Man. sad right now. He already you passed the point. He I passed because not, no, I, that's I, not easy. He passed yeah, I transitioned into business. Mm -hmm. But nothing is like being an athlete. Nothing yet. Can, can, can you, you really go deeper? This is, I just had an experience. Sprint. sprint. Yeah. Oh, man. I, I really want you to uh, give us some wisdom here. Because G-Jack, look, see, look, I'm see. Over, I'm, I'm hurting. He just hurt me. <laughs> I ain't, ain't retired yet. What I, I had a, there's a, I just uh, sat down with someone connected to a, a legendary football player. Like, just one of the. Salt of the earth, amazing human being, quiet, humble. Um, and I heard some of the things that's been going on with them now. Drug abuse. When you talk about down bad, down bad. And it finally hit me like, man, there's so many of us struggling with this transition and we don't know how to cope. And they watch this show. Like we have so many athletes watching yeah. the show. So like, can you speak to that athlete? That's yeah, retiring, that's in transition right now? Yeah, it's hard because you, everybody want to be noticed. You walk down the street and walk by people, nobody know you. You are standing in the line where beforehand people say, come on, come up front, come on in the restaurant. He's with the so-and-so. Mm -hmm. Then all of that ends. It's not easy. Then you wake up and you want to run and sprint and the legs just won't do it anymore. <laughs> and you know you can't go back. Mm -hmm. It's hard. That's probably the most hard thing an athlete can go through to walk away from his sport. But it can be the best thing that ever happened because it was always a game in the first place. Mm. It's a game like any other game, card game, put them down, walk away, find something else in your life, more, more dynamic than I think, sports. I think that's the key is like, what's next? I think that's the key. What's next? You gotta have something you wanna do. And it's not gonna be easy because you gotta develop something out of nothing. Nothing, there's nothing else to do to, to affect your life like a, a sport. I feel it. Nothing, nothing at all, but you gotta make something. Do you disagree with the athlete? You know, we work hard our entire life and we retire at 36, 35, 36, or even Babies. 40, and then we say, I'm just gonna be playing golf the rest of my, I'm done. Do you agree with that thought process or that approach? No, you can't be, you, you gotta build on something. That's true. A guy told me once I was moving to uh, California in a job corps center, and I told him, I'm going to California because I can swim anytime I want. Hmm. And all the guys argued with me, you're lying. And a coach came by and said, George, no one can do anything anytime they want. And that was profound, the realization that no one can do anything that you want anytime you want, so you're gonna have to work forever. It's a frightening thing to get up and work. Mm. You're gonna have to earn some money too. Heard the story about Rockefeller. A guy asked him, uh, 
no, Ford, the guy who built Ford, said, how much is enough? He said, just a little bit more. <laughs> you got to keep earning. Mm. You just got to keep earning money. And life is about earning, not what you have, but earning. It may not be $10 million, but it can be uh, $1,000. Keep earning till the end. You can't sit back and play golf or anything else. You got to earn. So the, What's some of the most powerful words you can give a young kid, a youth, someone that's coming up, probably raised how you was raised, how I was raised, that wants to, you know, make a push to make it? You know, it's hard to give words to children. You got to give example. Mm. And the most important thing in my life I've been able to do is give an example. I started the youth center in mm. Houston, the George Foreman Youth Center. I knew I'm just going to be there. Mm -hmm. I couldn't give any lectures because they're not going to hear it. But if you're there every day, they'll start telling you things. Mm -hmm. George, what about this? Mm. George, what about that? Powerful. Mm. Leading by example. That, 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 that was, that was, I that was that, powerful. I hit different right there. Right, that might have went over a lot of people's heads. Yeah. You, might have to, you, might, you might have to say that again. <laughs> presence. I, I take it as presence. Being present, right. being there, actively showing them that, like, Words. I can't, I could tell you all day, but it ain't going to, yeah. you got to see it. Right. <laughs> and the reason I had a lot of those cars, some of the Ferraris, I'd go down to the youth center and I'd drive them, park them so they could see them. Mm -hmm. It wasn't much use for me, but right. I just parked them there. And they looked over the car, looked over the car. Then they'd come in and look at me. <laughs> then they'd come back the next day, look at the car and look at me. Yep. And then the years would develop. Yeah. And they saw what they were looking for, for not sure. hearing. Yeah. There are no messages you can give voice-wise to kids. You got to give example. So doing that, Talk. parking the cars, that was Touch. pretty much exposing them to what can man, be. That's it. I, I, I want to touch more on your youth center, man. T talk, talk to us about the youth center, because I think that's that's pivotal. I think we all grow up. We all want to get back to the areas we was raised in. Um, you know, me, I'm from South Central Crenshaw, Los Angeles, California. So, you know, going back to those areas where I grew up at and trying to just give these kids hope because a lot of these kids, they don't, they're not able to touch somebody that's made it. They're not able to see as actual real, you know what I'm saying? So I think that's something I salute to you for you opening up your, your own center. How often do you go there? Um, well, w with the COVID, you know, we all had to kind of tone it down a little bit because couldn't get a lot of people together. But now, but beforehand, every day we're at that youth center and teaching boxing, basketball, everything mm -hmm. all right just letting them play mm -hmm. then making certain we didn't give any lectures to run them away <laughs> they would just come and hang out with me that's important to let kids hang out with you all right mm. how many years has, has the center been around ah oh, boy it started in 1984 right. 83 84. So, so your legacy when i up until this point, me talking about legacy stopped with your family. Now I'm talking about uh, the center. I'm like, man, how many been around that? You said 1984? Yeah. That's when I was born. I was born in 86. <laughs> so now it's like, I'm like, like, how many people, how many lives have you touched? Even yeah. through the church. So my question is, two part. Do you know your legacy? If you do, what is it? Don't even know it, not even thinking about it. Mm. You know, I was a 
Well, you smooth, boy. I mess with you, man. I got, I got, I got, I got to shake. I got a lot of respect for you, boy. I'm telling you, you, my type of dude right here, man. I, we gonna, we gotta hang out, man. Let me know if you selling one of these cars. I will take it off, man. I buy. I don't want nothing to give to me for free. I will buy one. <laughs> it's my type of dude right here, man. Yeah, smooth. I was uh at a, one of those full service uh gas stations, mm -hmm. service stations. They don't have them anymore, but the kid walked out. Only a few of them. And I stopped, not too far from the youth center. The guy wiped the windows, checked the all, and he came back and gave me a $5 bill. I said, what is that for? He's not generally tipped them. He said, when I was a little boy, you came in, and I asked you for some hand wraps. And I, and I, you said, they're $5. Mm -hmm. I said, he said, I don't have $5. I said, go ask your mom. It's my mom. I said, go ask your dad. I don't have it. I said, look. I'm, I didn't come here. I want you guys to earn what you get. I'm going to give you the, uh, the hand wrap this time, but one day I want it paid back. Mm. Gave me $5. He said, and could you sign this for my daughter? Wow. That's what that meant to me, that youth center. That's lazy. Mm. Had that's, me to sign lazy. an autograph for his daughter and gave me that $5 back. That's legacy. That's what I lived for. That's, the that's what it was all about. How do we approach the conversation of legacy? Because you said, I don't, I don't think about it. I don't know. Yeah, like, that's, that's what so it's did. just like, just do good. Yeah. And, you know, I'm just having fun because tomorrow is more important to me than the pages turning back. Mm. I got to do something with my life. I wake Jeez. up in the morning and say, I got to do something with my life. Mm. I don't just want to be sitting here, laying around here. And that's why I say you'll not see any championship belts and stuff around like that with me, huh? Yeah. That's those pages are turned. Yeah. I want to do something. I got potential, you know. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> talk, talk, I want. I want to go back to the ring. Wow. I'm a fan of boxing, but I I don't like to get hit. I'm a wide receiver. He he a little bigger than me. I'm small. I'm fast. I don't like to get hit. I don't I'm want you to touch me. Uh, so, he ain't, he's so that's what big. Makes me, he's not as fast. That's he, what makes me special. <laughs> is that we I always go. We always do, go I can at do it. What he do, but he you know. Fair. Uh, hey, listen, man. Speed, huh? No, this this is my question to you though. So, as far as like boxing, right? When you in the ring, in the midst of a fight, a hard fought battle, you going at you trying like you said you trying to kill this dude. Are you really feeling them punches? And then when you go back and sit down, all that stuff they put on your face, did that help? That was my first career. I wanted, I tried to play baseball once. When I was a little boy, I did play baseball and I was good. Mm -hmm. But I was always afraid that ball was gonna hit me in the pitching. Right. And I'd panic. So when I got into boxing, the first career, I had to hit those guys quick before they hit me. Mm, yeah. <laughs> and I had all these knockoffs, and people said, George is a puncher. And George was afraid right. that they were going to hit me, and I knocked yeah. them out. I must have had 40, over 40 knockoffs before I realized that somebody else could get me. <laughs> and they got me by ex accident. But the second time around, mm -hmm. there was never a punch in anger. I had nothing in for anybody. It was a profession, just like you learn. I got to do this, this round, do the other thing the next round. All right. It was all about a profession. So did it affect you? Did any of them hits affect you while you in Oh, the, in sometimes the affect guys hit you so hard. I remember once I got knocked down in the early days, and uh, I looked out in the audience, and there were about 10 women <laughs> with a nice fur coat on. Yeah. And as the referee counted, it's like seven, six, Five, and I looked up, I better get up before they all leave. <laughs> and when then I got up, it was only one woman. 
that's what boxing was all about. Right. You get hit so hard, man, you lose your sight of things, and yet you got to act like that didn't hurt. And you can't even see the guys, so you get wild and start swinging all around, trying to get them all. Mm. How did you come up with this? Where well, did this come from? Good question, because I was pretty fast. I had this parry, and I could stop punches before they got started. I was really fast. People didn't realize that when I came back, man, I'm about 40 years old in the gym, and no one in the gym was, all the guys in the gym, they, the oldest ones were maybe 22. And those guys would hit me before I could put my hand up. So I figured I was going to set my hand in one place and cover up. And uh, that way, I wouldn't have to stop punches. I could just be in position to stop them and keep like a bowling ball. I would roll on them. I, didn't, I invented that for myself because I had to. I just didn't have the speed to block punches. In boxing, you stop, block, block, and you move out of the way. Mm -hmm. Coming back, I'd lost all that. See, that's what I wanted you to get to earlier when I asked you about like that coming back and peeling back those layers of how that was. Because that's, you, you came back with a strategy, you know, how was your conditioning? You know, uh, you know that's, I, that's genius. Yeah, it's right? it's, it's, that's, like, uh, that's like LeBron James, or no, I'll go Michael Jordan because LeBron's still doing it all. Like Michael Jordan, he'd do everything. But his second career, which means like the second half of his basketball career, he start fading away, he start shooting, he start being very savvy. Yeah. I attribute that to also on, uh, on the football field, that's Charles Woodson going from corner to safety, you know? Because people ask, like, how did you, how are you able to come back 40-something years old and then well, be me, champ again? He's a, he's, you gave it up, it ain't, ain't no, no one took it. Give, give him a stat. He's the oldest at the age of 46. To have That's a right. world championship. That's right. Still That's to right. this day, oldest ever. You got to give him that crown. That's right. <laughs> and who, you was fighting um, Michael, was that Michael Moore, right? Yeah. 26 years yeah. old, he was 46. How, how, what did that make you feel like? I mean, you you 46, fighting a 26, 20 year difference. Mm. And it's strange because I left boxing for the 10 years and I discovered, really discovered, they didn't have all those fast food chains in my youth. McDonald's, Jack in the Box. <laughs> mm -hmm. Man, I, hamburgers. I ballooned up to 315 pounds and more. And then when I made up my mind to come back to boxing, I couldn't fit in my trunks or anything. <laughs> I couldn't run, mm -hmm. I couldn't walk fast, but I had to do it because you, so who else is gonna do it for me? Mm -hmm. So I had to learn a different style. I had mm -hmm. to learn how to fight because I couldn't go home and say I can't do it. I learned how to fight again. Another style. What was, what was the challenge for you? Because for me and Brandon, what, you retired at what, 32, 33? No, 35, I believe. So 35. 35. So me being 36 last year, I was going up versus 20-year-olds, 21-year-olds, 23-year-olds. And it was like, for me, them little dudes was like, man, I grew up loving you. Like, you're yeah, still yeah, fast. Yeah. How is you 36 still running 4-2, 4-3? He might hate and say, I don't run 4-2 no I more. I believe but it. They was, they was like amazed. And I'm like, you gotta wait till after the game to talk to me right now. You can't give me my flowers right now. I'm, I'm about to, I'm about to whoop your butt while yeah, you're yeah, on this yeah, field. Yeah. So, for you, what, what was that challenge for you? Because it's hard to kind of like, you know, you got dudes that was, they raised watching you, and for me, likewise the same way. So I kind of like try to like remove that a little bit. Like I don't want, I don't need that right now. Like wait a minute. Before you answer that question, let me give you my moment. And this is when I knew it was time to 
be done. Oh, you old. Plan, you can't run. I'm no playing more. for the Giants. <laughs> this okay. is my second to last year. Okay. And I'm in the shower. And, you know, football, we got 20 showers in, so it was filled. So I'm in the shower, I'm here, boom. Hard practice. Doing all of this. Wait, huh? I see a guy just staring at me. And he's staring at me for about a minute. Then he look at me, Jack, and he says, I used to play Madden. I used to play video games with you. Yeah. And now I'm playing with you. I said, oh, man, I'm too old. It's time to go. <laughs> this dude's in the shower. He want to have this conversation in the, in the shower. shower. Yeah, you got to wait. I said, this ain't the time. Uh, <laughs> right. But that's a good question. Like, yeah. you know, how was that for you when you came yeah. back? I, I don't, some guys embrace it. Some guys, like, some guys, like, you pushed away from it. Yeah. Kevin Garant, Kevin. No, you uh, heard Garnett. that. Yeah, don't talk to me don't right talk now. Talk to me right now. He said some crazy words. We not gonna say right now. We gonna respect <laughs> you, but he told uh, who was that? No, Kim Joe. Mm -hmm. He said some crazy words from Kevin Garnett. Said yeah. he like I, I grew up loving. He said all types of words. I ain't gonna say, but he said basically keep that in on. Yeah, yeah. Hear I don't want to go through that now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, was that uh, an experience uh, for you though? When you when you fought Michael, like did any of them young dudes like? They show you that much love in the in the fight of the battle, or you kind of like stayed away from that. Uh, and that's not an easy thing to go out and box some of those young boys like that, mm -hmm. no. Because I'd been giving speeches to parents, <laughs> and they brought their little boys along with them to right. see yeah. George Foreman and all of. Now all of a sudden I'm in the ring with these guys, <laughs> and hey, I don't want to tear up my little lectures. Did you feel bad? Yeah, I did. I really felt bad. bad. And that was the time I decided I'm I'm not getting in the ring with these kids anymore. Yeah. I'm not going to discourage them. I got to be able to push them. Yep. And you get one day you just wake up ashamed that you're hitting on someone that you've given a lecture or two yeah, <laughs> years sure. and it doesn't work anymore. So because you don't you don't want to win. Mm. Mm. So speaking on that second transition, that second retirement. Um, you get your first network deal, Jim Brown. Jim Brown, he welcomes you to the upper echelon and says, you're no longer an athlete, you know, you're a star, basically. Um, how's your relationship with Jim Brown and what does he mean to you? And, 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 I, and, I, and I like that story because it, what, what comes up for me is if it wasn't for you, in a deal that you did, Jim Brown, uh, and so many others, I wouldn't be in this position. And I'm talking about my retirement. Yeah. In front of the camera. Yeah. Yeah, the story. You know, I heard a commercial, uh, I think I was 16 years old, Johnny Unitas, if you can recall such a name, and Jim Brown said, if you're looking for a second chance in life, join the Job Corps. Now, if these guys had said, go jump off the bridge, I would have done it. But that's, that was the reason I joined the Job Corps, for a second chance, because they said it was there, a public service thing. And then later on, we became good friends, Jim Brown and I, really the best of friends, closer than you can even imagine. Just spoke with him, I think, last Sunday. And that friendship, other than Muhammad Ali, was one of the longest lasting friendships I had had. Yeah. And uh, I'd seen him do a lot of things, but I didn't, was not interested in television or anything. That didn't mean anything. HBO came out in my latter years and said, look, we want you to call boxing matches. I said, man, a job. That's why I went into boxing so I wouldn't need a job. But for 13 years, I did those broadcasts, that broadcasting. Mm. But every time I would do them, 
I always felt like I can get back in the ring. And I said, I gotta leave this alone. And I stopped. I never felt like I wanted to get back in the ring. I could get back in the ring again. But the broadcast for me was a great thrill. I learned something from Jim Lampley and Larry Merchant. It was to be friendly, mm -hmm. make people love boxing the way I loved boxing at one time. That was that's what I remember about Jimmy Brown. Mm. Do you Good still religion. watch? You said like how, how I used to love boxing. You still love boxing? You still watch it? Uh, you know, they come to the point I love watching boxing <laughs> now, and I still watch it. That Tyson Fury, Anthony Joshua, and Deontay Wilder, those big old guys. I love watching those right. guys fight. Yeah. Who's the best right now? Uh, the Gypsy King, Fury. Now, they call him Tyson Fury. Fury. Cool. Yeah. Great big old boy who can move, too. He's showboater, ain't he? <laughs> oh, boy. If you put him in your era, does he last? If you put him in my era, I'd jump out of that era. <laughs> I wouldn't want anything to do with it. I'd go back to another era or something. Wow. You know, because these guys are strong. They want to fight. Yeah. I never wanted to fight. I wanted to become famous and earn some money. Mm -hmm. uh, I, it wouldn't, wasn't like I would want to fight those guys at all. They're tough. They're mm. strong. Mm. So, I mean, that's huge. No, that's, yeah. that's huge. I wanted to offspray a little bit, but I know you're still on this. I just wanted to ask him a different topic. Yeah, on and we'll, we'll take we'll take a uh, couple more minutes. What's we'll a couple more minutes? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. You you want to finish? No, go on ahead. That? No, go ahead. Basketball. We in NBA playoffs right now. Are you are you a basketball fan? Oh, I love basketball. Great. All right. So so let me <laughs> love so, so let me ask you this. One, what's your favorite team if you have one? And two, give me your top three all time. And it's strange because I used used to could have a favorite team, but now these stars are scattered yeah, so much. You just love Players. this guy on this team, right? Uh, this guy on the other team, uh, uh, Russell Westbrook. Westbrook. I, I can't stop pulling for him. Never yeah. can. Yeah. And uh, the other guy in Phoenix, Chris Paul. I love those guys. Yeah. I love those guys. And New York as a whole is my favorite team, the Knicks. The Knicks. I cut my teeth at Madison Square Garden watching uh, basketball. I learned to pull for them, and I never stopped pulling for them. And they're years you I don't know what you mean with the teeth. Yeah, I feel sorry for myself a lot of times. But that's the New York Man. Knicks have always been my favorite Give team. Give me your top three all-time favorite bas NBA basketball players all, all time. Oh, well, you know, I saw Wilk Chamberlain. And I had a good working relationship with Bill Russell. Bill Russell. And so uh, I only met Michael Jacks, uh, Jordan once. once Michael Jordan is a wonderful guy. I met him. So I put it like that. The rest of the guys, I'll, I'll check on them later after the afterlife one, other than sports. One last question and I'm done. You, you, you give me one to three. Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, LeBron James. Top, top one to three. Oh, I look at those three guys, Michael Jordan, uh, uh, Kobe Bryant, who was the other? LeBron James. LeBron James. I look at them as one. So you ain't got no specific order? No, I see them as one oh, thing, one era, you know? Explain uh, that. I like them equally because they seem to do the same things, you know? Mm. You know, dunk the ball and start. <laughs> 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 uh, I just look at them, you know, just... Which show you prefer?
Right. But I experienced and lived with uh, Bill Russell. Bill Russell. Wilt Chamberlain. Wilt Chamberlain. Those guys were something special points for me. In the game. They didn't even have endorsements, you know. Will Chamberlain got out of a Volkswagen once (laughs) as an advertisement. (laughs) Bill Russell, you didn't see much. Uh, So these were just great, wonderful people. Mm -hmm. I want to go here really quick. It's like when you're in the presence of greatness, and it's not just, and I'm not talking about, you know, what we do. It's like who we are. Um, You want to soak it in. You want to gain that wisdom. I feel like you have so much, well, I know you have so much to give us, and and there's going to be millions of people watching this over the next forever. It's, it's going to live forever. And so I, I know you're into the word, um, and I want to ask you to give us a word when I bring something up. So give us a word on um, financial freedom. There is no such thing as financial freedom. You're going to always be encaged as long as you uh, depend on finances. It doesn't exist. Okay. Addiction. The greatest addiction of all is mean, and addiction on love. Mm. You just always got to find someone else to love more than you love the people you know now. Mm. I'm addicted on love. Find love, and it'll, it'll make you overcome anything. Mm. That's my next word was give us a word on love. Like, what is love? Like, uh, now that's a question that never stopped understanding. I found love from my mom, and I love her, and there's no other love but that the same that you love your mom. You got to love your fellow man in the same way. Mm-hmm. Okay, I got a couple more in Jack. If there's any word you want to throw out there, you can. Um, mental health. A lot of people are struggling. You know, what word can you give to someone who may be struggling mentally? I'd say what you, you got constantly give everybody the second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seven, eight, nine, ten chances. Never give up on anyone, and their health will get better mentally if you just don't give up on them. Because most people think they're done with me now. Mm-hmm. There's no being done with anyone. Mm-hmm. Okay, my last one. Go ahead. Pride. Yeah, I think I look at my grandkids, and that's the only thing I can say. I'm, I, I got pride, and to see them wait, start walking, falling down, rolling, and they start <laughs> playing basketball and football. Yeah, that's the only thing. Have pride in my my grandkids. Um, you know, I'm in there. I think, you know, those are powerful words. Mm-hmm. Really appreciate your time. Um, can we it's an amazing can, experience. Can we end on consistency? Mm. Yeah, and that's the greatest thing a human being can pick up is consistency. Start today. A man asked me, what do I plan to do with my life? He was in front of the church. What would you like to do 20 years from today? I said, I just want to be right here in the same spot doing the same thing, mm. being consistent. I tell I tell kids that all the time, man. Being consistent, the best thing. It ain't for it ain't what you did for me. It's what you did for me lately. It ain't yesterday. <laughs> it's what you done for me lately. Consistent. So so I, I opened up my phone and there's some uh, questions from the audience. Um, so I know I said I was going to land here, 
But man, there's some man ready to go home with his kids and his family, man. The, the audience it might be from George the Fourth, George the, the Fifth. The, it the, might be George the, 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 the youngest daughter. I've been trying to keep some, her. She was well, she was in the college. Okay. Um, and and actually, some of the some of my sound bites came from George the Fourth. Uh huh. I mean, he's my peer. He's a he's phenomenal. He's special. I mean, he's the only. You know, uh, one I really connected with since I've been here. He's an amazing, great job. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Amazing. Um, so you got your daughter. She's 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 she, saying yeah, we she got been, well, I've been trying to keep her off. She okay, 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 okay. All right, all right. All right. Well, we go. Up. <laughs> We're in the presence of greatness. This is I am athlete. April twenty eighth. Big George Foreman. I'm coming it's on out. the 26th. It's in L.A., right? Can yeah. I come? I'm coming yes, to the premiere, sir. man. Come on to We're L.A. Coming. I'm coming. We're, We're coming. We're in L.A. Thank you so much for watching another episode of I Am Athlete. Like I said in my introduction, he needs no introduction. It's Mr. George Foreman, and there's so many other titles we can throw there. We learned so much. Uh, you taught us so much. And I just pray that uh, people can take two or three sound bites from this thing and, and apply it to their life. Um, Walking in here, like I said earlier, uh, was the first time I really felt what legacy is, um, being able to look at another athlete and say, that's it, right? Because as an athlete, you say, that's it. Like, I want what he has. <laughs> Muhammad Ali got the phone in his, in his bag. Uh, I walked in Al Harrison's house, and I said, I want that house, uh-huh. right? Oh, I want D-Jack. D-Jack just had 1,200 yards. I want that. Oh, wow. LeBron James, trans, or an athlete transitioning, retired, want that. Motivation. When we look at, like, legacy, Motivation. like, this is it. It's motivated. I'm, mo- I'm motivated more than ever. Right. I ain't even, I, I expected it, but I, I'm leaving out of this. <laughs> I, I appreciate what you, you know, laid down for us, man. It's, it's up to us to follow. That's this, right. This is what it looks like. Like, can you imagine 30 years from now, uh, uh, an, an, an ad, someone coming to you saying, hey, can you sign this for me? Because you said this 30 sure. years ago. For sure. Legacy. That's the legacy. That's some deep thinking there, boy. Yeah. <laughs> Appreciate you, OG. All right. Thank you. Yeah. We had to fight to get a meal. Yeah, wrongfully accused. We had to fight to get a pill. That's why we right to get a deal. He on the team, he got to eat, you know, despite the skills. Fact. Keep it riding for the fam. You got to light the wooden wheels straight up. But in the past bad, work up in the trash bag. I'll pass a lot to take the test before I pass class. Yeah. And my family needed bread. I had to come correct. That's why I keep airing it out like I just passed gas. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. 